Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Compliant with Alliant. I'm Christine Blanco, and Diana's here as well. Hey, everyone. So today we're going to do a podcast we're calling What's the Deal with Decaps? There's been a lot of deals with decaps lately. <laughs> and so by decap, we mean dependent care expense plan, program, account? Account. Account. Program. Program. At any rate, the thing you do when you salary reduce... I'm going to correct us there. It's the Dependent Care Assistance Plan, Plan. DCAP, sometimes called a Dependent Care Health FSA. What you do when you elect money and pay for your kids' daycare. And so we've had a lot of confusion arising out of the Consolidated Appropriations Act signed last year and the American Rescue Plan Act signed in March of this year. And we want to clear up some confusing issues relating to decaps and reimbursements and taxability and you know what vendors are saying can happen and, are, and what we can do. And we're going to level set here and then we're going to give you some quick examples. And we're also going to cover this in our webinar in the beginning of April. I think it's the 15th. 15th. Um, we're also going to cover lots of other stuff, so don't not come. Um, but... Let's talk about sort of what we think the genesis of the confusion is. Well, I mean, I think some of the confusion stems from um, maybe just not really understanding what a cafeteria plan is and does. Exactly. I mean, so a cafeteria plan generally is just a funding device under Section 125 of the Internal Revenue Code. Employees can salary reduce and fund these qualified benefits. But there's this underlying, each of those qualified benefits has to have their own exclusion in the tax code. Yes. So you can't um, fund something. Um, We see people trying to make accounts to fund all sorts of crazy things on a pre-tax basis, but they can't be funded on a pre-tax basis because there's no code exclusion. Like if I wanted to get, you know, my hair highlighted and, you know, salary reduced for that, guess what? Can't do it. No, they do actually call those lifestyle accounts, though. (laughs) (laughs) But, again, not excludable from income. Oh, so just pulling back, our, our Section 125 plan is allowing salary reductions to fund these qualified benefits. The matching code exclusions for those qualified benefits uh, for our DCAP, we're looking at Internal Revenue Code Section 129, HSAs are 223, Employ, uh, employee premiums move tax favored through 105 and 106. We could go through lots of them. Exactly. And so normally in a normal year, which we know we have not been in in quite some time. It has not been a normal year. So, you know, how the DCAP is designed will work in lockstep with Section 1. 29 and what is excludable. So reimbursements and reimbursability would tie into section 129, but alas, we've had COVID. And not only have we had the Consolidated Appropriations Acts, but notices that allow us to carry over or have a 12-month grace period into 2021 from 2020, right? Yes, it's a lot going on. Um, But I think we want to just give them a soundbite on what is that Section 129 um, exclusion. Oh, yeah, I guess, bearing the lead. Well, it's been $5,000. Yeah, and so that exclusion is actually drafted to be employees can exclude from their income employer-provided childcare up to this exclusion limit, of $5,000, usually that's going to be your your employee's pre-tax salary reduction election, 
funding their own DCAP, but it can pick up other things too. Like if you had an on-site daycare or emergency childcare, those values would have to get measured against that income exclusion limit. And sometimes it gets tricky because just in parlance, um, I know you and I talk about that limit as a reimbursement limit, but it's really... Um, an income exclusion limit that takes into account all those reimbursements and possibly these other things too. Exactly. And so I think that's a lot of the confusion in terms of, you know, the way that we usually deal with that, which is really, it's really only, you know, you're only using that for a DCAP because employers don't often have on-site childcare. Yeah. I mean, we see emergency childcare some, Mm -hmm. but we just don't see it a ton. Right. And so, so if, do we want to run through some examples or do we want to talk through, you know, the fact that let's say, well, let me do the rub first. Well, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so, so here was the rub. When the Appropriations Act allowed for these unlimited decap well, carryovers, do that, but it's yours. You go for it. I've yes, got so, it. Okay. Or to use those uh, prior plan year funds for a twelve month grace period. All of a sudden, um, we had elections, new elections, and carryover amounts mm-hmm. that really went way above that Section One Twenty Nine income exclusion. So everyone was sort of panicking, what are we going to do about that? Um, And then thankfully, um, the ARPA, all it did was increase that income exclusion for our dependent care reimbursements and anything else under 129 from its longstanding $5,000 limit to that $10,005. And I would say, um, I think, you know, we said people were concerned about that and maybe they weren't, but I actually don't know that people quite understood even that 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 had fallen out of lockstep. And then um, and then I think what we're, you know, I've totally lost my thread on you said, oh, we saw this as really just a shoring up of, okay, all, let's say you had, you say you didn't use a dime of daycare in 2020 and you rolled over $5,000 and then you elected $5,000 in 2021. So you're looking at $10,000, but up until ARPA was passed, all you could exclude the excludability was up to five thousand, so it, it it was problematic, and we saw ARPA as a shoring up. We understand that there's some misunderstanding about sort of what that means, but this is really what's happening here. It's not, um, and so now the increase up to ten five would technically allow them to change their election. Correct? Do we want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think when we look at what we do. As employers, under cafeteria plans. And this is all optional, by the way. (laughs) All, always optional, Mm -hmm. right? You can make your employees pay their premiums on a post-tax basis, right? Nobody is requiring you to offer a DCAP or a health FSA or any of these things. So when employers want to design their cafeteria plans and when they're designing their offering like for their DCAP, it usually, you know, you let employees elect up to the income exclusion amount. Same thing with HSAs. We, we don't let them go over because that's bad, but uh, a lot of times employers will set a slightly lower limit. And, you know, I think when we're looking at whether employers should allow employees to increase that dependent care election amount, there are a lot of sort of concerns, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, for instance, in my example, if you had 5,000, you elected 5,000, if you're not paying attention and and your employer says you can elect up to 10-5 this year and you go ahead and do that, you're looking at, if I'm doing my math right, $15,500 that you could technically salary reduce but you would only have 
um, you would have 5,500 of that or 5,000 of that would be um, would not be excludable under 129. Well, and, and I think here's the other big disconnect. And we've actually seen this, I mean, for mm-hmm. decades. Yeah. Is you, DCAPs always have trouble with non-calendar year plans because that Section 129 income exclusion runs on a calendar year basis, not a plan year basis. That's right. That's right. And so, for instance, too, if you... So if you had somebody who made an election, you know, on a non-calendar year in 2021, they have a limited time to spend all that down in 2021. And if you have a carryover, which you're allowed to under the Consolidated Appropriations Act, then you're messing with the taxability again. And and you may have employees who are frustrated and don't understand this. I mean, as we talk through this, you can hear about hear the complexity. So your employees, I'm sure don't understand the complexity. Well, I know, and especially because the Appropriations Act is saying, well, you can still roll over those mm-hmm. 2021 funds. Into 2022. 2022 plan years, but then the income exclusion limit drops exactly. back down to 5000 unless there's subsequent guidance. And it's conceivable there would be, but right now... We don't um, want to plan for that. And also, too, I think when you pull back, and to my mind, you know, we've been in this sort of COVID state of affairs for long enough that education on the front end about your elections would make more sense than these plan amendments and and changing the way you know your plan is structured these are optional changes there's a lot of reasons from an administrative standpoint and also to be a little bit, a bit paternalistic on taxes to not allow them yeah um and there's been a little bit of confusion in the vendor space, right? Yeah, about whether this is a, an absolute reimbursement limit, sort of what you should allow. Are you required to allow you know, folks to elect up to 10-5? Can you reimburse the whole kit and caboodle on a tax-favored basis? All of that has been confusing. Well, I know. I've heard a couple of vendors saying it's required mm-hmm. to allow an election. It is absolutely not required that you allow an election change increase to the 10-5. And the thing that I think is particularly funny here is... Um, a lot of DCAPs are already failing non-discrimination They're testing. already failing it. And so just know this, regardless of what it is, you know, your cafeteria plan has, a carryover, a grace period, however you're managing Consolidated Appropriation Act guidance, right? And this new Section 125 exclusion limit. Nine. 129, thank you, God, <laughs> thank you. At the end of the day, your your folks get 10-5. That's what they get on a tax-favored basis. For the 2021? For the 2021 calendar year. Yeah. Um, so, again, if you're, in, if you're in a non-calendar year, you know, this will have implications into 2022 if you allow it. Um, do we want to go through examples? You know, I think we can save those for the webinar, but okay. I, I think it's just one of those things where um, a lot of times employers want to accommodate employees who are coming to them and saying, I heard I can raise my decap election, um, but just please be very careful because a lot of those employees coming to you are your highly compensated individuals, and you know, we all know what happens on the back end when the decap fails. Yep, you'll have to cap them anyway. It, it's a lot of work, and the highlies don't like it, so I think just um, if you do it, go in eyes open. That's right. Okay, I think that's that's enough about the deal with decaps. Thanks, everybody.